This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A athletics. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country. Eric Cohen and Shane Dale. And all right, let's be honest. This is not our favorite week that we've ever had. The men's basketball team had a really bad loss on Saturday. We'll get into that. Uh, but I- I'm going to go on record, Shane, and say this is the biggest episode of wildcat country we've done yet and we're nearing what 130 30 seconds in and you're already getting on with the hyperbole eric well saying if anybody's reading the description yeah uh for this for this uh uh show they're seeing we have two guests not just the normal one Mm -hmm. and these two guests are unbelievable first of all we had a chance to sit down with bill walton uh, a little bit earlier today before recording uh these parts and it just this 40 minutes is unlike anything I've ever been a part of before. Yeah. And and just so, and I think people are realizing right off the bat here, why is this episode so long? You just got your answer. Okay. So yeah, 40 minutes. It's worth, with it's, it, but it's worth listening to every, I mean, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. It was something. It was, it was something. I mean, Shane and I both got off the inter- interview and we're like, holy smokes. That was and Unlike me all, and me always being the big the biggest Bill Walton fan in the world was a special thrill for me and so uh, he's a he's a really good guy though I mean he is <laughs> oh, he is, he is he what is, he is yeah. but he's a he's a yep. he's a yep. very nice he's a gentleman yeah. uh, and then we had a chance to sit down with uh, our our friend of the program Adia Barnes coach of the women's basketball team what a comeback they had on Friday night one that I, I certainly wouldn't have bet on and I'm sure I don't think you would have either uh, so we're going to talk about that with her and uh, and much more but let's get right into it we're trying. We're going to try to condense this first part just because we know our interview parts are going to go a little bit longer. A little bit. Uh, th- this is buy or sell, and is pre- presented by our friends at Ice Shaker. You can see if you're watching the live stream that Shane is, uh, you know, drinking. Take it, I'm taking another step here. I'll take it slowly. Yeah. You can. There you, you go. Can right out of this ice, ice Shaker. Yes. Go to IceShaker.com. Use promo code Wildcat Country, capital W, capital C, to get five dollars off. Or you can buy these beauties at fanatics.com, where I buy a lot of my other U of A shirts. You should see my entire closet. As I was telling Shane, it's like red or blue, as you can probably tell when you if you watch the podcast uh, on a weekly basis. All right, Shane, number one. Um, we'll just keep it simple. It's time to panic. Uh, and you're obviously referring to the men's team, not the women's yes, team here. Correct. And that was, it is one of the easiest sells ever in buy or sell. No, I look... I'm going to keep this simple and I'll let you respond and we can go into a little bit more. I feel the same way about this team now as I did a week ago. Okay. That they are probably not one of the four best teams in the country, but they're still there. They could be one of maybe 15, 20 teams that could reach the final four. uh, If if, given the opportunity, they play their best. Uh, So look, they're in an awful shooting slump. I, I think that they realized the hard way. And, and it was, I think this loss was coming, by the way. They could have gotten easily swept by the Washington schools, and they're lucky to split, really. But I think they they had learned, and really in Tommy Lloyd's first, first loss at McHale, they learned or were reminded that the McHale center crowd is not always going to be able to drag them past the finish line. And, and look, they're in an awful shooting slump. They've been in an awful shooting slump for two and a half games now, starting with the second half of ASU. They'll shoot their way out of it. They're not as 
athletically gifted as last year. They're not, maybe not quite as deep and they're defensively not as good, but we've seen when they play their best, they can beat anyone. They already have beaten very good teams. So long story short, Eric, I think this too shall pass. The shooting slump will pass. And I, I, again, I feel the same about this team now as I did a week ago. Okay, well, that's one of us. Uh, it's not going to be the easiest sell for me in Wildcat country history. It's a moderate sell. Uh, I The time to panic is this weekend uh, or next week uh, if Arizona struggles again this weekend against the Oregon schools. You, you got to blow away Oregon State. They blew away Oregon State last year. You got to blow them away. I, even though, you know, I love Wayne Tinkle, one of the great coaches uh, in the Conference best, of best Champions. Coach in the, best coach in Conference of Champions. Outside of Tommy Lloyd, so he's number yeah. two. Uh but if Arizona struggles against Oregon State, I'll be really concerned if they get blown out by Oregon. Get blown, and not just a close mm-hmm. game. Uh, and we'll make our picks at the end of the show. Uh, then it would be time to panic. Well, if, if you're if you're concerned as far as panicking, as far as the Pac-12 regular season titles in jeopardy, sure, absolutely, panic all day. I'm thinking because look, Arizona's over the years they've gotten plenty of conference championships, conference tournament titles, regular season conference or regular season uh, tournament titles like the Maui this year and the one in Las Vegas last year. I don't take any of those for granted. Those are all great, and those add to the program's prestige and recruiting pitches and all that. But as a fan of a program that hasn't been to the Final Four in now 22 years, that's what I'm most interested in. And I I think that health permitting, this team could still like they could go and lose to the Oregon both the Oregon schools. I hope that doesn't happen. It shouldn't happen, but it doesn't change how I feel about this team. I still think they're probably not a Final Four team, but I think that they could be if they click on all cylinders. If 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 their guards play above, uh, you, know, uh, you know, their their usual output. You know, if Kerr's hitting shots, if Pella's hitting shots, if Courtney Ramey's hitting shots, and they're able to to hit their free throws. But that was another thing. Omar Balo has not been a good free throw shooter this year. And that was a big deal against uh, Washington state. He was a 70% shooter last year. You couldn't hack a shack him. Now you sort of can. But well, he just, he wasn't feeling, I mean, he wasn't right. He wasn't. Yeah. He went to the hospital outside. earlier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I understand. I understand. I'm just long winded way to say, if this team clicks on all cylinders, I think they're one of, of a bunch of teams that can make a run to the final four. And it ultimately Eric is as great as it would be to get another conference title. As a fan, that's what I'm most invested in because it's been way too long since Arizona's accomplished that. Yeah, uh, what has it been? Uh, 2001. 2001. So 22 years. A game that Bill Walton called. Wow, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, Shane. This weekend against the Oregon schools will go a long way in seeing whether this team is a contender or a pretender. Uh, I, you know, I'm going to sell that one as well, uh, mainly along the same lines of all of the gibberish I just uh, spewed out, okay. but also right. be, because, I mean, it's a long season and y- this team is going to look better or look different for better or worse come March, uh, than, than how they'll look this week. I'm really interested to see how they're going to come out. They could, yeah. their slump could continue and they could get uh, a split or get, or get swept in Oregon. They could also beat both schools by 30. Neither would, te- would surprise me terribly. Okay. I don't know if it was so much. Because a lot of times I do think this team gets a bit complacent. I think they did last year too. I don't really think it was that against Washington. I think they're just it, it's really simple. They can't shoot right now. Yeah. And that 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 is going to pass. It's going to pass. They're a better shooting team than this. Pella Larson is a better three-point shooter than we've seen most of the season. Uh so and, and then there are countless examples of that. Courtney Ramey's looked off for for a while now. He'll get it together. So yeah, I, it, I certainly feel better. And, and be reassured of everything that I've just said. If they go in and they beat the Oregon schools and beat them soundly like they probably should, or at least, you know, they should beat Oregon State soundly and they should find a way to win at Oregon. Okay. But 
if, if their struggles continue for another couple of games, I'm not going to push the, the the panic button. So I don't know. So will it go a long way? Probably not. Are, are, in other words, are we going to remember these games when the NCAA tournament rolls around? Vaguely. Uh, I'm going to say, yes, this is, I'm going to buy this one that it will, uh, this weekend will go a long way in seeing whether this team is a contender or pretender. I think if they bounce back and sweep, uh, we throw that storyline under the rug and we focus on UCLA next week. And if they don't sweep, um, we're going to have more conversations about it next week. Simple as that. That's fair. Uh, Number three. So Chris Beard at Texas has been uh, dismissed. Texas is a a top job, uh, you know, just based on the resources that they have. So number three, Shane, we should be mildly concerned that Texas might be interested in Tommy Lloyd and that Tommy Lloyd might be interested in Texas by herself. So Chris Beard made about five million a year at Texas. Mm -hmm. Tommy Lloyd this year is going to make all all told about three point six million will be three point seven million the following year. So there is a difference there. And look, Arizona could give me another contract extension and maybe try to compete with that. But if it just comes down to money, Texas is going to win. Texas has yeah. more money. Yeah. They, they are a top program in basketball for that reason, primarily. In terms of prestige and the history of the program, Arizona is better. So it, I, I'm going to sell it just because I don't think he's going to be terribly interested. And I think for a number of reasons that, you know, he has a, a son, Liam, who plays a college ball up in Flagstaff, which isn't too far away. He's right. got a, uh, I think a college age daughter and a high school age daughter. So do he and his family want to move again after two years after being in the same spot for 20? There's that aspect of it. Does he, is he interested in the job for, because he thinks he can be successful there uh, after what he's built already in, in Tucson. And of course the question, does Texas want him and will he be their number one choice? But look, if it all comes down to money and it always is a little bit about the money, right? But yeah. if it all comes down to money, then then I will buy that it's a concern. But I'm going to sell it because I do think there are larger concerns for Tommy Lloyd, even if he does get another contract extension, another pay boost out of this. Uh, I I don't see it happening for a number of reasons, but I also can't read the guy's mind. And if it does come down to money, then it can't be a concern. If all was equal, Shane, if money was equal, which is a better job, Arizona or Texas? I, I got to think Arizona. I mean, I know I'm horrible. I would too. Look, yeah. in football, it's no contest, obviously. Yeah, but, but does it, Texas have a basketball tradition? I don't think they do. They've had some good teams over the years for sure. Yeah, but nothing that's... But yeah, they're not... I mean, they're not... First of all, Texas is not a, a a football school. And in Texas, they call it UT Austin because there's a bunch of UTs up there. But right. UT Austin is not a, a, ba- a basketball school. It's a football school. Arizona yeah. is a basketball school. Basketball is king in Tucson. So there's that aspect of it. There's, do you want to uproot, uh, move your family? Do you want to stop the momentum you've already built with this program and already shown you can win? Uh, so I doubt it. And then there's the question of, will he, would he be Texas's first choice anyway? But again, at the end of the day, Texas would be able to find a way to pay Tommy Lloyd more money than Arizona will. So from that perspective, it, it could be a concern. And that's where I, I'm mildly concerned. So I'm going to buy this. That's where I, I that's phrase fine. it right. Mildly concerned. Yeah. yeah, just because if Texas throws him $6 million and Tommy can almost double his salary, yeah, you have to listen to it. I believe Arizona would step up and get the resources to get it at least close. And I think if it was close, I think if I were Tommy, especially considering that the, the pack, whatever it is, is going to be weaker without UCLA, I would stay where I, I would stay put. Uh, that's just me. Uh, okay, uh, number four, Shane, uh, since we're having Adia Barnes on later in the show, yep. the Oregon State comeback uh, last Friday, which they were down, what, 12 with under four minutes left. Mm-hmm. Uh, ESPN's uh, probability had them as a 99% chance to lose. Garbage. I know, I know. When probability is, by the way, when probability is not a statistic, it is a guess. That's I all understand. I'm going to say. 
Okay. Uh, the, or- the Oregon State comeback very well might have changed the trajectory of the uh, women's basketball season. Uh, buy or sell? I'll, I'll buy that. I think that it was an important win, not only because it was a game they should have won, but because I think they finally started to click. Um, I, I, re- I mean, the Oregon game was outstanding as well, and I think there's a good chance that if they lose to Oregon State, they probably get swept on the on the weekend. But the team's starting to come around. Um, they, they got bounced by Kansas at home a few weeks ago, which yeah. was an awful loss, an unexpected loss, especially in front of a really good home court advantage that, that Adia Barnes has built in Tucson. Uh, but then they come back and they beat Baylor in what was essentially a road game. Lose at Stanford. Stanford's great. That's not a big deal. But then, I, yeah, I think that finding a way to win that game. Look, if they had just beaten Oregon State in a close, you know, run-of-the-mill close game, that's one thing. But to do it in the fashion they did, I think this team is finally starting to gel. There's a lot of new pieces, even though Kate and Shana are still there. Sam Thomas isn't there for the first time in six years, which I think was a big loss both on and off the court. A lot of freshmen, a lot of transfers. So, I think the team is finally starting to gel and and doing it in a way that where you get to win and celebrate in front of your home crowd and then do it again two nights later against a very good Oregon team uh, was was massive. So absolutely that it could be the difference between uh, you know fit, you know borderline top twenty five and eventually uh, entering the top ten, which I predicted Arizona would would do at some point uh, before the season started. I think it was very key, Shane. I'm going to buy it because I think it's very key for Arizona going a long ways towards hosting a regional once again on campus. Absolutely. As a top four seed. Uh, I think if they lose that game, it very well could have snowballed into the Oregon game on Sunday. Yep. And then you're talking about, okay, where's Arizona going to play uh, in their first game in March Madness? Now, uh, Wildcats have the momentum. Um, They go on the road to the Mountain Schools this week. Interesting that that ASU forfeited both games because they don't have enough healthy players. Yeah. Which could you know could impact Arizona in terms of you know both those teams are getting or at least their their second opponent is going to get a bit more rest and, and ASU's on deck after that uh, right. for the Wildcats so going to be very the next three games very interesting Arizona sweeps them I think they're in a very good spot uh, yeah. to hopefully get a top four seed and unlike the men's uh, the men's basketball in in the Pac-12 the women's side you have a lot of very good teams and a lot of opportunity for some really quality wins the women's side they're they're still in the twenties and net. So they have a, a ways to go uh, probably if they want to re, you know, climb into that top four seed range, but they're going to have a ton of opportunities to get there. And this game of Utah coming up in particular, Utah's a top 10 team like mm. out of nowhere. Uh, that's going to be a big one. So if they can find a way to win that one, they'll definitely uh, help their cause in March. And like you said, you know, the, the women's side, you get to host two games if you're a top mm-hmm. four seed and that's a yep. big deal. So uh, I think it's a bigger deal on that side uh, on, in, in that game than on the men's side. No doubt. Uh, coming up next, I don't even know how to preface this next interview. Bill <laughs> don't Walton, try. You know, you know who he is. If you're listening to this podcast, you know who Bill Walton is. It is 40 minutes of just, I don't even know how to describe it. So I'm going to let you guys uh, come up with it. Let us know what you think on Twitter and the comments on, on YouTube. And then, of course, it would be great to talk to uh, Coach Adia Barnes from the women's basketball team here on Wildcat Country. Scooby, we sent you an ice shaker. Um, they are a sponsor, uh, courtesy of our buddy Chris Gronkowski. Uh, you have it Bro, right there. I love my ice shaker. Fun fact, when I was, I trained with Glenn Gronkowski, everybody, when we were trained together, people thought I was, I was the other Gronk brother. So it was kind of funny. But yes, I love my ice shaker. It is very good. I use it every day. I am a, I am a veteran to the ice shaker game, by the way. What's up, Wildcat Country? Chris Gronkowski here. Use coupon code Wildcat Country at iShaker.com. Shane, you and I at some point have come up with like a dream guest list of who we would yeah, like to Yeah, here we go. I can't <laughs> wait. I'm here at Wildcat Country. I finally made it. Oh my gosh. 
it is so beautiful here. You guys are handsome as can be, but when I think of wildcat country, I think of Saguaro East. I think of the Catalina Mountains. I think of Mount Lemon. I think of Catalina State Park. I think of the Portalita Mountains. I think of the West Tucson Mountains, the Santa Rita Mountains down in the south, the Chiricahua. And I think of all the beautiful people and the places and in the Valley of Fire there, Ring of Fire. It's just a real thrill to be on your show here, Shane and Eric. It's a, an honor and a privilege. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. Well, we are as well. Bill Walton, one of the great characters, one of the great players in the history of college basketball, one of the great broadcasters, and obviously among the great characters in the history of basketball pro and college. We are very glad to have you on the program. Now, first question for you. Yes. You always refer to the Pac-12 as the Conference of Champions. Do no. you believe this Arizona team is good enough to, one, you know, at the end of the season, potentially be on the mantle uh, for the Conference of Champions all time, i.e. a championship yes. contender? Yes. Why not? The, the key is, though, if one of their star players will step to the front and scream out to the world, I'm going to tell you how it's going to be. Because if your best players don't outplay their best players, you have no chance whatsoever at succeeding. And basketball at the same time as being complex and comprehensive of all the elements of life, it's also a very simple game. A simple game where you have to be in shape, you have to have a great culture, style, and identity, you have to have a great leader on the court, off the court, you have to have great foundation, you have to have a great basis. And what's not to like about everything U of A for so many years? But the key is that you can do it you can be the guy who delivers peak performance on command. Now, I thought last year's team could have, should have, would have won the championship. But then they come in against Houston and they can't make a shot. And so you've got to have that guy. And whether it's going to be Azulis Tabellis, whether it's going to be Umar Balo, whether it's going to be Kirk Creaser or Ramey or Pella Larson or Adama Ball or Cedric Henderson, Kylan Boswell. I mean, it's a long list of guys you can choose from. Tommy Lloyd is fantastic. Dave Hickey, incredible. Bobby Robbins, over the top. The big red army of the West, unmatched. And so here's the guys. Now you got to look around and you say, okay, who's going to do what? Who's got a game? Who's in Who's in shape? Who can play? Who really wants this? I mean, it, it takes everything you have to win the championship. There's other good teams out there. I mean, I, the best team I saw early on this year was UConn, but now they've lost two games. That Big East is looking better and better as this season goes on. Providence has got a great team. Sean Miller doing a marvelous job at Xavier. And so there's you know lots of good teams out there. And, well, uh, I was uh, stunned I was stunned when I was just there this last weekend when I saw that uh, Washington State, a very good team with lots of talent and good players, comes in and just takes it to, takes it to the Wildcats and you know set the cats whimpering out out into the desert at the end of the day. But I'm always shocked and stunned whenever Arizona loses at home. I mean that home court advantage that is spectacular. Arizona has the fifth largest fifth longest winning streak, home court winning streak in the history of college basketball after Kentucky, St. Bonnie's, 
UCLA, Cincinnati, and then Arizona. I was there the night they lost their 50th straight game uh, to Oregon, which was really a, a turning point, a swing moment in the history of the Conference of Champions. And then I was there this last weekend when at the 28th game winning home court winning streak was uh, was just put back in their face. And I did not see the spark. I did not see the, the fire. I did not see the volcanic eruption that that crowd takes for granted. And the crowd is remarkable in so many ways. And but this crowd has been so good for so long, 38 years of leading the Conference of Champions in attendance. And they know what they have to do, but they cannot do it by themselves. And that's where the mark of a champion is the ability to be self-motivated and to have the, the character, the foundation, the spirit, and the soul in conjunction with the mental acuity and the emotional commitment that we're going to get this done. And I, I just saw a team that was kind of walking through it and thinking, okay, Washington State, they never win here. They just won three years ago, four years ago there in 2019. Ernie Kent brought them in. And, you know, it's never easy. And the better you get, the harder it is. Because when you're a great team, when you're a great program like Arizona, you're going to see everybody's best. And that's what you want. You don't want to come out there and just mop up on the opposition because they don't think they have to play very well to beat you. No, man, you want a great game where you've got to be at the top. You've got to be at your absolute best and, and epitomize the, the upper tier of the pyramid of success, which is skill, physical fitness, commitment to the team, poise, confidence, competitive greatness. Be at your best when your best is needed. But all of that is built on the lower two tiers of the pyramid of success. And the pyramid of success was created by John Wooden, who did not like the mandatory grading system because he thought that effort was much more important, effort and preparation, than actual talent and scoreboard and measurement and being able to take it or pass a test. And so he came up with things like industriousness and enthusiasm, friendship, loyalty, cooperation, intentness, initiative, alertness, and self-control. And while all that stuff is super easy to memorize and to talk about, try putting it into practice. And that's where the champions come. And that's why you need that great coach. And when you think of what Arizona has had, now, the Fox Fred Snowden, that guy was awesome. You know, I got to play in McHale in its second year in existence. They opened, they started it in 72. They finished it, opened it up in 73. And then I got to play in it in 74. I was offered to have my own ABA team anchored in McHale. Reggie Jackson and Gary Walker from up in Phoenix, they wanted to have an ABA team where I was going to be a part owner and be like, you know, the guy, and then they were going to let me pick the coach and everybody else. Uh, but I turned him down. And uh, nobody has made more mistakes in life than 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 me. But to see that that then the the vision, and I don't know who did this. I, now I got to learn this this backstory. But who was the visionary that hired Lute Olson? And you know, Lute Olson with Jerry Colangelo, what they have done for the state of Arizona is just over the top. I mean, these are 
these are the spiritual and religious and the economic and cultural icons that have formed the state of Arizona as we know it today. And then loot's there forever. And then and then they get Sean Miller literally, literally right away. I mean, it wasn't straight. There was a couple guys in there, I think, but uh, inconsequential. And then Sean Miller was just phenomenal and gets them going there very, very close. It's hard, guys. It is super hard. You, you don't just say, okay, we're going to win the championship this year. Now, it was different, but we had at UCLA. But we didn't know. We didn't know how hard it was because Coach Wooden was so good, so good that he just created this atmosphere, culture, world uh, platform that he he taught us how to think like champions, how to how to play like champions, how to dream like champions, and ultimately how to become the champion. But that was just the standard, the standard operating deal there at, at UCLA in those days. And, and then everything has changed. But I, I remember when I was at UCLA and I first met Lou Olson, because Lou Olson was in Los Angeles at the time as a high school teacher and coach. And he was very interested in all things John Wooden. And John Wooden was so accessible. And so these two guys, they got together constantly. And then Luke, Lute, he moves on to Long Beach City College. And then he moves on to Long Beach State. And this whole time, and this is all happening while I'm in, in Southern California. And Lute Olson is a legendary figure before he, I, I don't know why you would leave here to go up to Iowa. I mean, some things are just beyond belief or description and comprehension, right? Now, certainly the move from Iowa to, to Tucson, that is a very clear deal. But at that time, Tucson, you know, uh, it just wasn't what it is today. And, and, and to, to see all the, all the cultural amenities and the physical development and to and to see what's happened up across that mountain and really throughout the entire community and and, and the way they built up the university and the neighborhoods of Sam Hughes neighborhood I don't know what the neighborhood is just just east of the hospital but that is just a fantastic they were just so close and those are the kind of neighborhoods that I like living in because where where we live is we're, we're right in the thick of things and uh, you know that causes some problems but it also has a lot of benefits and, and we love it. And there's few things I love more on earth than coming over to Tucson because it's, it's the place in the conference of champions where everybody in town knows everything that's going on. And you guys have a lot to do with this here in wildcat country, your ability to share the news and spread the word. And so what's going on. And so, I mean, when I get off that airplane at Tucson Airport, I mean, immediately, Bill, we're going to win tonight. You know, I, I'm trying to get my rental car. Bill, how about this injury? What's going to, you know, how's Tubelas doing? What's up with Balo? How come Kirk Creasa can't make a three? And just you know, all, and then you're coming in and then you get to the hotel and it's, oh my gosh, and all these different things that are going on. And everybody knows everything. And I've been part of other situations like that before with incredible fan bases. Our high school program here in San Diego, Helix High School, uh, which a phenomenal program, culture, history, everything. And uh, it was like that then. And then to go to UCLA over the top to go to the Blazers, where, man, we set all kinds of records that still stand to this very day, to be on the Boston Celtics, and then to be part of the Grateful Dead. And it's, it's all so very similar, you know, leadership, 
teams and players. And then that, that brings the fans and the fans have stayed there. It's just been absolutely remarkable. And I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. Bear down. Yeah. Hey, we, Bill. Are, we are wildcat country. <laughs> I love it. Uh, that might be our new intro. Uh, so you, you have a, uh, they got you a custom chair for this Washington state. Oh, game. The chair. You're, you're typically sitting on three chairs for a game, right? But they got you a custom one. Did, did, did that fit you? Okay. The chair fits perfectly. And with the, the School of Fine Arts there at the U of A, what Gabby did and what Colin and uh, Karen and Mike did, I hope I got Karen's name right. If I don't, I apologize. But the School of Fine Arts, what they did to put that together for me, because the chair is critical for me. I mean, I'm 6'11". Yeah. I've got a lifetime, adult lifetime of orthopedic challenges that uh, re- that have really destroyed my life in so many different ways, but I'm doing fantastic now. And, you know, health is everything. And one of the things, you know, one of the mantras I live by is failing to prepare is preparing to fail. And so when my spine did fail on uh, February 24th, 2008, not that I remember the date, but I'm there and I, I can't move. I can't function. I can't do anything. My life is over. And and I and I go to the doctor. I get to the doctor. Jim Gray finds my doctor. Steve Garfin, UC San Diego Health. And, and I go in there and he looks at me. He says, man, what's happened to you? I said, I can't move. I can't function. I, I don't know. It's just awful. He said, well, what do you do for a living? And I described what I do, which is fly across the country all the time and live in a world built for preschool children. And he says, well, you got to stop doing that immediately. We got to replace your knee. We got to reconstruct and rebuild and and basically replace your spine. And so over the course of all these years now, I've had 39 orthopedic operations. so, So one of the things that I've learned is so. As I've gone through my life, because you know I've been chasing this basketball dream for, let's see, I'm 70 now, and I started when I was eight. So I'm going to say, with my mathematical computer like mine, I'm going to say that's 62 years that I've been trying to make this all happen. And so I, I grew up in a culture, of a non-athletic culture. My parents have zero interest in sports, none. Never shot a basket with my dad. Never talked sports with my parents. And we didn't have a TV growing up. But I had an incredible coach uh, from the very beginning, eight years old, Rocky, just phenomenal. And so, you know, here here I was trying to make it. And, and I thought over the success that I had early on, you know, we, we had a lot of success and won a lot, set a lot of records. And, and so I thought I knew what it took. But it wasn't until my spine failed that I understood the the, the ever expanding concept of everything. Because you think you know what it takes. You think you okay, I got everything covered. I got this right, and then all of a sudden your spine fails and everything changes. And so that's when I realized the expanding nature of everything. And one of those everything elements is you got to have a chair that fits you. Because when you sit, okay, are you guys parents? You guys have children. I, I, I have a three-year-old. 
Yeah. Okay. So, and that three-year-old goes to school, right? And that three-year-old sits in a little tiny chair and just like those basketball players come out and sit in those little tiny chairs, which is the most ridiculous thing on earth. There's got to be a sponsored element in there somehow because Probably. nobody would ever say with, with credibility or integrity that that's good for you, right? So imagine that the chair that your three-year-old sits in and then you go try to sit in that. And now that's the same way it is for me to uh. sit in the chair that you sit in. And that's why I have my special chair. And I'm sitting in a special chair right now. They're all measured out for my height and size and weight. And then that's what happened at the U of A. I mean, the, the, the kindness of Matt Enzer and the School of Fine Arts, uh, Nate, uh, Nate Weekers, and Dave Hickey and Bobby Robbins, they were all involved and all the different people who were there. It was just spectacular for me because I love my chair and I love being comfortable and I have to sit down most of the time. I mean, I, I walk, I, I can walk. I have not had any parts of my body amputated yet. I've had a lot of stuff cut off. I mean, I'm basically one big giant barnacle, but here's a situation where uh, I, I have not had my feet amputated or my arms amputated or my head amputated or anything like that, but uh, I, I can walk for function. I don't walk for pleasure. I don't walk for exercise. I don't walk uh, to go exploring uh, what I can, but I, what I've learned to do is focus on what I can do. And what I can do for movement is that I can go in the water, in the pool, I can go in the weight room, and I can ride my bike. And so that's what I concentrate on. And that's what I recommend all these players from the U of A work on, although they're, they have the great advantage of being young and healthy and vibrant and able to do basically whatever. I mean, this is, this is a program because of guys like uh, Justin and Chris Rounds, that they, they, these are the winners of the genetic lottery. You know, the partnership that U of A has with Nike is just over the top, incredibly valuable. And because the, the players want to go and be a part of Nike. And here's a situation where they all come to U of A to, to you know, to be part of something so very special. And I'm just in the Richard Jefferson practice gym the other day. We don't spend too much time in there because most of my time with the team is spent in McHale because I'm there on the days of the game. I'm always in town the night before, always try to get a good meal. Kingfisher is one of my favorite places right now on Grant. And so here's a situation where, uh, you know, I get there the night before get a good night's sleep in the wonderful hotel, wake up to the sunrise with the mountains. Right now they got snow on the top of them. It's just spectacular. And I start dreaming. I get over to Mikhail. But this last week I was in there uh, in the daytime because of the travel schedule for me. And so we had practice in the Richard Jefferson building and the gymnasium, which he, he gave three and a half million dollars of his right. Own to build this magnificent place for other people to chase their dreams and create their dreams and to see all the pictures of the history and all the different stuff that's gone down in that remarkable university and the people who have given their lives so that the next generation coming along can, can have the opportunities, can have the chance to make it all work for them. So it, it, it's super fun and 
it, it, it is a thrill for me to be a part of it because I've just you know witnessed all these different teams and and the changing nature and how much fun it's been and TJ McConnell and Caleb Tarzuski and Deuce Ristich and but really I mean Richard Jefferson all the guys that played with Luke one of our sons played at the University of Arizona I, I went to school there when when Luke was there yep yeah yep. no it was incredible. Because it, it just, you know, Lute Olson was just God and King. And every time I'm in town, I always try to call Kelly and and and, and catch up with her and, and, and that angel of mercy and what she's been able to do to uh, to keep Luke going and, and keep that big smile on his face. There's nothing like it, man. I'm madly in love with my wife and I, and I know how important that is. So I, I'm just super, super lucky. What a team, what a program. And, and, and what a dream in, in, in so many different ways. You know, you've got the desert, you've got the people, you've got the facilities, you've got the fans, you've got the, you have the sky, you have the mountains, you have the solar energy, all the things, all the things that I believe in and live in for. It's just all right there. It all rolls into one. Hey, Bill, the, the, um, so- the game they lost against Washington State, and they almost lost to Washington two days er- earlier. Just in your experience, could it be a positive thing to lose a game like that, especially in front of your home fans, and realize our fans aren't going to drag us past the finish line every time? And and is this something that may ultimately benefit them as they go deeper into the season and the, into the NCAA tournament? Shane, I never buy that. No? no. Losing's never good in any context ever. Not for me. Okay. Maybe you didn't do a lot of losing at UCLA, so. Not for me, but uh, it uh, everybody's different, and motivation was never my problem. Yeah, uh, my problems have been health. My problems have been the fact that I spent half my adult life in the hospital, and I was born with birth defects. I was first injured when I was thirteen. I was playing against some really old guys. They were in their thirties. I was torturing them. They didn't like it. They took me down with a high-low. I needed my first surgery. Uh, I turned 14 in between the, uh, around the time of the surgery. And then as soon as I uh, had that surgery, I started playing against NBA players. But my biggest challenge, my biggest challenge in life has been my speech impediment and the fact that I'm a lifelong stutterer. And uh, the, the notion that I could ever become a broadcaster, it's just that that is as far a stretch as you could ever reach for because I couldn't say a word. I couldn't say hello. I couldn't say thank you. You look at the old films. I couldn't talk until I was 28 years old. Most of my friends liked me a lot more before I learned how to talk. <laughs> I doubt that, Bill. I doubt that. Hey, I, 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 have, I have a question for you as far as the Conference of Champions. We love well, how you refer to it as that. I know all the fans love it. When, it's a fact. It's a well, fact. But when your alma mater and USC leave next year, is whatever is left in the pack still considered the Conference of Champions? Yes. Wow. Because the lead over the Big Ten, the number two conference, is so big that even if we lose, even if UCLA and USC uh, move on, that – and they take their, I'm going to say they have a combined 100 and between 130 and 140, uh, 230 and 240. 
the spread over the Big Ten bid, the Conference of Champions, Pac-12, is bigger than that. And so it'll still be the Conference of Champions. But how much of a shame is it going to be to not get what I consider the best rivalry in the West, Arizona and UCLA, twice a year? Because that's what I'm going to miss most when they're gone. Well, I, I am opposed. I'm opposed to USC and UCLA moving. I have nothing to do with USC. I have great respect for them. A lot of friends there, great school, great people, great programs, great everything. But, you know, I went to UCLA. And so I can speak to what I want for UCLA. And uh, I, I like the Pac-12 Conference Champions the way it is. and But I'm not in charge. Yeah. Well, you if should I be. Were, if I were in charge, things would be different. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I ask my last question for you, Bill. Uh, Take all you, the time you want. I've carved well, out my day for the I, I certainly appreciate that, but I, I think – but I think we got like 12 minutes on our Zoom chat left, so I'll try to keep it limited to that. But I just want to ask you a little bit more about Tommy. get seven or eight questions in during that time. That's fine. But, well, Tommy Lloyd, your thoughts on Tommy Lloyd, just getting to know him. Is he a winner? Is he a guy who's going to bring a national championship to Tucson this year or at some point down the line? Yes to all of those questions. He's fantastic. I've known him I've known him uh, for 20 years since he got on the Gonzaga stage. And he's just a fantastic dude. You know, he has everything that I'm looking for in a leader. He's a good person. His life is based on character, standards, values, credibility, and integrity. He can inspire. He can teach. He can lead. He can build. He can develop. And he can get all these. And he has the tools to do that. I mean, what they did in Gonzaga, they had no tools. I mean, I, how many people have you met in your life who have come up to you and say, hey, man, I'm moving to Spokane today? Well, my brother-in-law and, and his wife. <laughs> there are two of them, but yes. I, well, I get you took your, your sister away from you. That, that, no, that. My, well, my brother-in-law and his, yeah, my, my sister's husband and his wife, they went, they actually, he went to Gonzaga Law School and they actually love it up there. But well, I take your yeah, point. Spokane today is very nice. But the, the vision, if you would ask the question, okay, oh, let's go to Tucson and build one of the world's great basketball programs and teams. If you would ask that in the early 1980s, people would have you committed. But somebody has to be first. And Luke was the guy. I mean, Fred Snowden, he had the vision, but he didn't have he didn't have the, the the ability, and the world was different then. I mean, it was, uh, and, and so then, but Lute Olson came in and took it over the top, and now the challenge is to keep that going and keep building on it. And you know, UCLA, a school that I'm close to because I went there, my wife went there, uh, our, our daughter went there, uh, all our best friends went there, and so uh, they've got it going again because of a great coach in Mick Cronin. And so they, and then Tommy Lloyd, Tommy Lloyd's a great coach. He, and he's a fantastic human being. He's interesting. He's curious, a great storyteller. And he knows talent. He can look at some 15-year-old and say, okay, man, this guy's got it. Now, you look at some of these winners of the genetic lottery. You look at Muhammad Gay from Washington State and how Quickly, he's come along in a very short time. You look at what Umar Balo has done. You look at the development of all these guys. I mean, go back before Tommy got there. And, you know, the slogan for the U of A was a player's program. 
right? And they would run that video that was just so inspiring and everything. And now they got the video, which is cool as can be, about the guys out in the desert meeting all each other and coming together and, and, and really that big push toward the volcanic eruption for the opening tip. And so that ability to develop talent, to identify talent, to be able to recruit, and that's Tommy Lloyd, to be able to teach and to be able to get them to commit to the greater goal of what needs to be done. And that all, whenever there's a group dynamic, whenever, in whatever, in business, in your show, in whatever you do in a group, there's three elements that you have to have. Sacrifice, discipline, and honor. And if you have those three things, you're going to have a chance. If you have guys coming in with individual agendas, I mean, you you watch great basketball, right? And the ball's moving and people are happy for other people's success. Somebody makes a shot and you're all giving them a high five and everything. Somebody breaks down defensively and the team rotates and covers for him. A guy gets open, you pass him the ball, he gets hot, you keep coming back to him. That's the mark of a championship team that has sacrifice, discipline, and honor as their foundation. Now, you watch bad basketball, it's one guy dribbling the whole time, everybody else yelling and screaming for the ball, nobody likes each other, there's no, there's no respect anywhere, and everybody's got their own plan to go out there and do it, and, and that's why teams lose, and then they, and they wonder, and I just, it, it amazes me when I watch basketball, and I, I watch a lot of basketball. And um, my wife, Laurie, just the, the greatest everything ever, our CEO, chief everything officer. Yeah. Uh, she liked basketball a lot more before she met me. And so <laughs> I am amazed because I don't understand. You know, I grew up in the team concept. All the great teams I've been on were all about the team concept. I don't understand why these guys who are just getting started, maybe not even are very good, but they're trying to play the, you know, the game winning shot. They're trying to play like they're Michael Jordan, like they're Kareem, like they're Larry Bird, like they're LeBron James, like they're Kevin Durant or Giannis or Steph Curry. And, and they're just getting started. And it doesn't work that way. Those guys, they weren't born that way. You know, the, because the guy who was the best from birth was Kareem. You know, Kareem never played a game, never in his whole life where he wasn't the number one focus of the other team. And so, but everybody else has to work their way up to it. You know, Bill Russell, he got cut from his high school team. Michael Jordan, same thing. You know, uh, Wilt had his challenges, not, not very many challenges. Oscar was right up there at the top too, you know, and then, uh, but uh, it takes all you've got just to stay on the beat. And you've got to listen to your coach because if you don't trust, admire, respect, appreciate, and believe in your coach, it's never going to work. And so that's why these guys who come up so young and everybody is telling them that they're the greatest thing in the, you know, they're the next great player. And they've got to, you know, score all these points and accumulate all these numbers and statistics because that's what they're going to talk about on Sports Center. That if you don't do that, you're not any good. That that's just not the not the way I look at the world. And you know, I look at the world in terms of coming together, 
working as a unit for the, the common good. In San Diego, the, the, the motto of our town in San Diego is, there is no greater cause than the public good. And so you can take that, there is no greater cause than the U of A winning the championship. Just apply that to you know to the group, and then if you, if everybody believes that, if everybody buys into that, then you got a real chance. And that's you know the the competing forces. Tommy Lloyd saying one thing, all their relatives are saying another thing. The fans are saying one thing. It's just so you know you've got to be able to to focus, to concentrate, and to put yourself in a position where you're doing the right thing every moment is because life ultimately comes down to choices and decisions. And if you make the right ones, good things are going to happen. You make the wrong things, you're going to end up on the outs and nobody's going to be happy. Bill, I'll say this, you know, I'm, for happy, all... when you, I'm happy when we win. I'm yes. Happy when, I'm happy when there's great basketball. I'm happy, you know, when it's just a, a, an opportunity to make a positive difference in the world. That's what I'm always looking for. You uh, on on TV, you are quite the character. On this interview, you you've been incredible, uh, just uh, just great. Shane and I have learned so much about life in addition to basketball. But I do want to say one more thing. In the couple times that I've met you over the last twenty years in person, you've been nothing but a gentleman, and uh, I'm, I was always grateful for that. Even as a college student, uh, running into you at Payway. Uh, after watching Payway, uh, yeah, is Payway still there? It's still there on University Avenue. How I gotta that? get in there more, man. <laughs> you, you and Lori were there. It was after I think it was Luke's senior year, and yeah. it would have been my sophomore year. And I remember seeing you after the game. It was just you and Lori and me and one of my buddies. And you were nothing but a class act then. And Shane and I are most grateful to have you on. And we really hope to do this again sometime soon. You call me anytime. So one of the coolest moments in our lives was to be able to come over to U of A when the uh, when Luke was playing there and it, it just then it still go around today when you go into a restaurant or go into a hotel they'll have posters of the team and all the guys and jerseys of everybody and I remember as they all made the transition because you know when you when you have the good fortune of a great coach mentor leader teacher parent as a child and it does and then it leads to dreams coming true and becoming reality. So that happened with all those young men. And, you know, Richard and uh, Channing and uh, Luke and Gilbert and Jason. And I mean, literally all these guys, Ricky Anderson, they're all just doing really, really well in life. And, and you, you love to see that. And I remember because they would all spend their summers here at our house. And they would just all be living right here, which was fantastic for me. Lori would have a different answer, but that's fine. And so here it was, you know, they, then they make the transition and they're all professionals now, right? And so Lori, who's not a morning person, uh, I'm a, I'm up well before the dawn. Uh, I can get to sleep at night, staying asleep is, is another thing. So Lori would come walking out well into the morning hours, you know, deep into mid-morning now. She would come out and they'd just be all sprawled out from a night of summertime fun and everything. They're professionals now, but there's just, there's cans and there's bottles and there's pizza boxes and there's everything all over everywhere, right? And Lori, one day she came out and she just lost it. And, you know, we had beds everywhere for people to just sleep in couches and they're all sprawled out. They're 
they're barely stirring themselves. My day's half over, right? But that's the kind of stuff that I love. That's the kind of stuff that I lived for being part of the team. And so this one particular day, Lori comes out, she looks at this house, just, just a mess, which is fine when you're a guy, right? But when you're the mom and you're the wife and you're the girl, that's not what they're looking for. And so she starts yelling and barking at him. And she says, you, you just signed a $50 million contract in the NBA. What are you doing living on our couch? And then you, you just signed an $80 million contract in the NBA. What are you doing here making a mess of our house? And I'm trying to get her to calm down a little bit because I was having the time of my life. I I bet you, I can only imagine. Now our, our Zoom is running out. We want to thank you. Bill, thank you so much. We're most grateful. Wildcat country, bear down. Yeah, I would try to make the the gang sign, but my hands don't really yeah. work. We'll get, we got it. We got it for we you. Got it, we got it. We got it covered for you. Right there. there you go. Is that it there right there you go. Okay. Yeah, that's good enough. I got right. it. Thanks, Bill. I was having my picture made with Bobby Robbins the other day, and I saw him. You know, he was next to me, and he was making something. And I said, "Please, Bobby." No gang signs in the picture. <laughs> put, the, put the big claw up there. Wild hat tree. Yeah, where dreams become reality, where we come to grow, where the deal goes down. Thanks for having me, Eric. Thanks for having me, Shane. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. We are too, Bill. If you're looking to add value to your sports cards, you've got to check out dtsportscards.com. They're an authorized dealer for PSA, which means you'll get great prices on your submissions if you go through them. And for just $2 a card, DT Sports Cards will take a close look at each card you submit and let you know whether it's worth grading. I just submitted some high-end hockey cards. They took a very close look, said they're good to go, and they all earned a PSA 10 grade, which tripled the value of each card. DT Sports Cards is located right here in Arizona. They provide quick, personalized service through email or direct messages. Find them online at dtsportscards.com and check them out on Instagram at dt underscore sports cards. She needs no introduction. I, I'll just say this, Shane. There are not five better basketball coaches in the country than Adia Bar. I'm telling I mean, from what they've done, what you've later. done, Coach. No, well, seriously, what you took over and to what it is now, there are not five programs, men or women in the country, with coaches that can say usually that. Eric, usually Eric engages in hyperbole, but I think he's spot on in this case. Thank actually. you, Shane. Yeah. All well, right, Coach. The other one's right down the hall, right? Tommy. That's, well, Tommy's great. We, he's okay, too. Yeah, yeah he's real. Yeah. yeah. All right, Coach, we're gonna, I'm going to start you with this one. This is kind of a weird one, but you know me. I always, You come on with us. You're always honest. So there's uh, three minutes and 36 seconds left on Friday night. ESPN's probability gives you a 0.3% chance to win. Honestly, really? point you were a ninety nine point seven means nothing, chance Eric. That Oregon when State was going to win. Yeah. Wait, how do you it find was, out that stuff? Where do you get that? It's from? on ESPN.com. They they along with the game, the box score, they had the win probability as like a running total, and so God, yeah, I it didn't was point Oregon. Oregon, Oregon State was at ninety nine point seven percent at that point. So in time. there was three thirty six left in the fourth, and Madison Connor just got an offensive rebound, and you had a point three percent chance to win. So in your head, you have to be thinking. All right, on to Oregon, right? Like you couldn't have thought you're going to come back and win that game, right? No, I that was tough. Being down twelve or three minutes ago is like a long shot. Like that's really hard. But then, like we got forced a couple of turnovers, got some momentum, but that that was still that's a, a steep hill to climb for sure. So, uh, Adia, and thanks again for coming on with us. We appreciate it. We're sorry it's been a little bit longer than than it yeah. usually has, but we uh, uh, so. Had a, hit a rough spot a few weeks ago against Kansas, had the big win over Baylor, 
great comeback win over Oregon State, and then a, a fantastic game. We were talking to uh, to Haley or uh, SID just before you came on about how just great a basketball game that was between Arizona and Oregon uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, has this team really started to maybe hit its strides after all the turnover from last year, or there's still there's still a ways to go? No, there's still a ways to go. Um, so I think the first thing is we have seven new players. So four right. freshmen that are just learning how to play. Um, three transfers that came from totally different systems. So I didn't realize like how all that comes into play as far as us being kind of behind. Um, the Kansas game really punched us and let us know where we're at, and what our deficiencies were, and it really exploited some things. Um, the part that I really take, I take responsibility in all of it, but the big thing is we hadn't really played anybody yet. But that's kind of how it always is. But we still don't usually have a dip like that. Kansas just like got on us. We didn't have an answer. But when I looked back at that, like they didn't do anything I asked. We didn't follow the game plan. We were just like not doing stuff we always do. So it was just a weird game. But I'm really glad it happened because if it didn't happen then, it was going to happen the first week in the Pac-12. Because we just some stuff I had been talking about we weren't doing, lack of discipline. So I was kind of glad we got killed. Because I think if we didn't get killed then, I don't think we win the first couple of Pac-12 games, to be honest. So after that, then we get better. I mean, it was like a brutal couple of weeks. It was like defense for like two hours a day. It was hard. I was like, oh, we're going to play the way I want. We're not losing like that. And just not doing what I asked. So we had a really good game against Baylor. And so that was a tough game. I think our problem, we weren't probably, we weren't, didn't have like the best percentage. You would know all the analytics, but we're <laughs> supposed to win that game. And then played well and won. So gave us some confidence and then like a little setback with Stanford, but Stanford's better at Stanford right after Christmas. And I think we're just getting better, but we still have a ways to go. And let me ask you about the returning players. Cause you mentioned all the turnover on the <laughs> roster, but obviously Kate and Shana coming back. Uh, Kate had some big baskets against Oregon after struggling from the field. Most of that game, Maddie had a big game over the weekend as well. Uh, just the returning players, especially with, with Sam Thomas, who's been there almost as long as you have at Arizona. Uh, how have they sort of stabilized things and have they maybe taken on a more of a leadership role? Yeah, I think that um, because of so many new pieces, we didn't really have that leader on the court. Um, you know, it's hard when you're supposed to be that leader. Usually it needs to come from a guard uh, or, you know, vocal point guard. I think we didn't really have that. Like Shane is more quiet, kind of lead by example, more of a scoring guard. I think that um, because there were so many new players, even if like, let's say Lauren Fields is more of a leader at, at Oklahoma State, it was hard to come into a new team and lead that has been a team that's been really successful. So I think everybody's kind of finding a way to um, contribute by committee. I wouldn't say we have some like diehard like leader. I think Kate's one of the most vocal. I think Maddie's the most vocal, but like diehard puts you on their back. We don't have that. I think, um, you know, I think about some of the best teams I've coached here. We had like that one player that can like take over a game. That was Ari or... We had the one that was like a huge lockdown that was Sam. So I think people were trying to find their roles and we're still get, getting into that, but we don't really have an all-star, which is good and bad. Bad when you're in crunch time and you're down 12 points or 3.30, like who's going to get buckets? But good in the sense that it's by committee. So then when you have four or five people in double digits. So I think it's like, you know, before we didn't have that with Aaron, we had one person having 20 and like a couple other others having 10. So I think now it's like figuring out who is going to be consistent? Are we going to be able to manufacture with, you know, four or five players getting double digits? Who's going to be that star that steps up? And for us, I've seen different players, which I think in the end will be better because you can't just shut down a player. But I think in the in the room, it makes it hard because we don't have that. But we're getting better defensively. We're not great defensively yet. We're getting better. But the thing is, we are much better offensively. 
So if you look at 12 points a game, shooting 37%, I've never coached a team that can actually score like that. So that, but then it's like defensively, we struggle a little bit. So it's kind of like last year, I was like, oh, we can't shoot, but we can defend. This year, I'm like, oh, we can't defend, but we can shoot. So it's like finding that, getting now this team, because it's hard to teach shooting. You can teach angles and defense. You can scheme like different types of defense. So I think, you know, like um, team defense will improve and just getting better. But we have we have a lot of work. Yeah, I mean, I, the other thing, though, Coach, when you think about that comeback on Friday night, like you guys yeah. were down and out and you lose that game, things could have spiraled, gone into, you know, you could have lost to Oregon. For sure. I, Shane and I were talking about earlier, was that a season-changing comeback in your opinion? I think so, I think so because it, that's a pivotal point. Like we had lost to Stanford, and so how are we going to bounce back from that? And it showed the character of our team and our, our resiliency because are we going to hang our heads because we got pounded on the boards by 20-something and got killed? Or are we – and they controlled the game the whole time. Like the score of the game wasn't an indication how the game was. We got killed. Or are we going to lay down? Or are we going to go back and beat another good team that's pretty underrated that's coached really well at home with a little bit of pressure, right? Because you really have to take care of home games and steal some on the road. Mm-hmm. So when I – saw, and then like you had a really big high on Friday winning and – stealing a game in the last three minutes. We probably shouldn't have won. And then like going back in the Orange's a really high octane offense. So taking care of those two. And then now we go on the road. So I think that if we didn't beat Oregon State, I don't think we'd beat Oregon. At what point in that Oregon State game, did you actually think you're going to win? Well, after we like scored like eight points in state, I was like, oh, shoot, okay. At first I thought it was a lot of time. I was on the bench like, we got to manufacture some points. Like, but we're not great at certain presses or like what the hard thing is with this year for me is like, if I put a shooting lineup in, we can't guard anybody. But if I put a defensive lineup, we aren't as smart. We can't shoot it. So it's like finding, getting that offensive unit to like be able to like, you know, hide someone that I know isn't like the best defensive player. So that's been like, it's helped me become a better coach because I really have to be specific with this team and we have to strategize a little bit more. It have to be really simple because there's a lot of new people and it's a whole new system defensively and offensively. But um, yeah, I, I didn't think until we had a couple of those steals. I think the half court steal started it, which led to the Lauren layup or the, yeah, the Shana led to, led to Lauren layup. And then like the steals off that press, which, um, you know, we got them in bunches. So then I thought, okay, there's a chance. Cause I think it was three minutes. It was like, Ooh, time's running out. The, the home. There. The home crowd idea, and I, I mentioned this as well before we started, uh, is that you know, when I covered the team almost 20 years ago now, they're a good team. They finished in, uh, tied for the Pac-10 uh, championship, but they had maybe half the fans in the arena that Way you all have now. now. We used to have yeah. a couple thousand. We were like top 16. Yeah, I think when Stanford came to town, it was like 4,000, which was a big deal. But just yeah. how big a deal is that? Like, And I wasn't at the games, but I see the fans you know, going crazy, I, you know, the wide out against Oregon. It, yeah. it definitely sounded like a men, like traditional traditional men's game. How big of a deal is that in, in close situations like it's that? It's huge. Like, I think it's hard to win without that. We have momentum. It's really loud. And we have 8,000 fans. I think it's the equivalent equivalence of like 14,000 men. Like our fans are, I don't know if it was probably the same demographics, but I think, well, no, I think a little different younger families, really loud. When we have 10,000, it seems like a sell. Like I thought we had more until I saw the Jumbotron. But I think also our fans would have been better, but there was a game Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yeah. and we were the Sunday at five. I really think, I think when you come to Stanford here, I think it's going to be sold out. It helps us win games at home. It really does. Um, we don't lose a lot at home. That Kansas game, we had only lost a couple games in a few years. Yeah. So, and we hadn't lost that bad, I think, probably since my second year here. 
I, I mean, I don't remember last time I lost that bad. So I think, um, you know, we win. I think it's an incredible environment. I think it's one of the best in the country. Um, we're number one in the Pac-12 attendance. We're, we were sixth last year. We've already surpassed that. So our goal is to be fourth. But we're talking fourth nationally. When I got here, there was like 300 season tickets. Amazing. Yeah. So like, it's like, it's pretty, it's pretty, I know you have to win, like that comes along with it, but I think our players have done a phenomenal job of getting out in the community and, and like being nice to people and like actually taking the time to talk to people. And I think that's contagious and people love being a part of the program. Uh, your upcoming trip uh, against Utah and Colorado and Utah is off to a fantastic start. The men traditionally have had a really rough time on that trip uh, for a number of reasons, including the elevation, uh what what's that trip like from your perspective and just what's it going to take to be successful against those teams that trip is brutal i asked if you'd ask any men's or women's coach in pac 12 that's the trip you don't want to take when it's not on your schedule you're like yes um <laughs> elevation cold like we have we're used to sunshine here we're like wimps in the cold so it's just cold it's long it's like um it's just i don't know it's just hard and then you see stuff posted elevation beware it's so annoying um but I think the ele- I think the elevation is more of a factor of the second game. But like when you're there playing, first of all, they all they both play phenomenal at home. But when you're there, it's like they know it and they try to run you into the ground. So if you're playing Utah or Colorado, it is like they're trying to throw baseball passes at the beginning because they know they want to run the crap out of people. And our girls like you have to get your second win. But um, yeah, it's tough to play there. The good thing is all seven of the new players don't even know what that's like. <laughs> it's good and bad. So they're gonna be due to it. So. Um, but I think we've won there before. We've won some big games. I think if we play our defense, if we to be besides playing the last three minutes of the game, I think we'll have a chance to win. If we don't and we start off slow, we're gonna get ran out of um Boulder and and um um Salt Lake City. So we have to play. Do you, do you think that on it, it makes it harder this weekend? The fact that uh Colorado is not playing uh ASU or like yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Some of that? That sucks. I mean okay it is what it is right it's good that we have to forfeit now because I, I hated that covid miss like that was annoying and it affects a lot of us long term down the stretch but like yeah that sucks not as much for colorado because they had to prepare for us anyways but like utah is the like number six in the country and they get to sit there and prepare for us all week yeah that's things i mean you're, you're still going to beat them it's a, I, we're shane and i are both <laughs> picking you to win i'm just spoiler <laughs> alert we're, we're picking you to win the wildcat country uh, curse what's our, what's our chance point zero 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 <laughs> just, just yeah well, just that, tell just tell your players they have absolutely no shot exactly exactly uh, <laughs> i'm telling you coach you go in those espn box scores they have everyone you click on win probability and yes. shane's the one that pointed this out i didn't yeah. even know i totally forgot about this and they said you you can scroll your like mouse over and they gave you a 0.3 percent chance to win with under four minutes left and you proved them wrong. And no it's one amazing. told your team. Yeah. So I if did, they I that sometimes, not, not yeah. game, I'm gonna have someone look at that. I'm curious. Yeah. It's so you can go back to every game that you coach. And, oh, I can and go it back shows to you. that. Yeah. Oh, every box cool. score has that on ESPN. Uh, for cool. my knowledge, right, Shane? Maybe. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's bulletin board material there. You get the little graphic that says point you know, point zero three well, or something. Will it have our probability of winning at Colorado, or is it in game? No, it's in game. In game, yeah, yeah, because yeah, it'd be cool if there was a problem. Like, this is the probability of statistics. They, you know what they they do that for the men's. I don't know if they have that for the women though on ESPN. They should, but I don't think they do for the women. I, I'm gonna. This is a, a weird question, but you know, as I said, you've come on with us. Have you ever looked at a betting line when your team is involved in it? <laughs> no, but it's funny. I because I don't bet. I wouldn't even know how to do that. I have like nothing to do with betting. But you know, Eric could hook you up. 
Well, someone someone will usually tell me after the game. Like someone told me, I think Baylor had like they had like a seventy seven percent of beating us by thirteen or something. I was like, who does like who who says that? But like I didn't know that that was such a thing. Someone people tell me, I'm like always surprised. Yeah, in the off season, uh, when we have you on again in the off season, we'll do gambling one hundred and one. No, I'm kidding. Uh, just wanted to point that out though. No, it's it it you never know. Like against Stanford, obviously they're going to be favorites, but I'm really yeah. curious to see what the betting line will be with yeah, you guys at Utah. Next when you find out, I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah, because so, I think it's cool when you hear that. It's just like wow. I wonder how people are like it's smarter people that come up with those. Yeah, I, I'm like you, Adi. I don't, I don't gamble. I just, I live vicariously through Eric. Um, l- let me ask you about uh, recruiting, which obviously you've had a ton of success in uh, as, as well. Um, you know, back a few years ago, you know, getting someone like Kate Reese was an anomaly, and now you're, you're getting so many four and five stars. But I want to ask you about the world of NIL and how maybe that's impacted women's basketball because we hear about it with football and with men's basketball. Uh, and NIL is that an ask? Like when you go to to, to talk to potential. Arizona commits. Is that something that you really have to to talk about and know about and and mention possibilities about? Absolutely. It's one of the most important things. I think the first thing is um, like, can you win at that school? Usually all the high level kids, they can win at the schools they're looking at. The second thing is NIL. Um, It's huge. Like, for instance, we lost a couple of kids with us, like some kids in South Carolina, they're a better program, but like they could offer like to a high school kid in December, $25,000. Like we don't have that capability. Mm. Um, like I'm working on it. We got our first team deal yesterday because there was like individual deals. But yeah, um, what's it called? It was goat. Well, I don't even know if I'm going to say it yet. But it was like an energy drink and that's owned by Jerry Rice. So that was like our first team thing. But um, yeah, we're trying to get deals. And I think that this is a great market too because it's a million people. There's a million people here. And like we don't have all this competition. You know, we don't right. have like MLB, WNBA, NBA, everything. So, Not like ASU does. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. So I think that you're seeing a lot of smaller deals. Like Sam killed it with that stuff. Sam yeah. probably made like 40000 in a year. But she's also like smart and like she's really out in the community. She's like a 4.0 student. Um, you get, hold on again. I'm, I'm on a, okay, I'm on a, I'm on a podcast. Thank you. No, no, no you may not. Oh, I'm sorry. That's yeah. okay. I'm going to be real quick. But, um, can I stay? No, I, oh, sorry. I think it's a tradition for Mateo to to, to crash our uh, our interviews. It's fine. I know it's like she's yeah, say hi. You can say hi and bye. But wait, wait. Can, can I please stay? Because I'm on a podcast right now. So I, I got a three year old downstairs. I totally get it. He can come upstairs at any moment. Sorry, that's okay. I was going to ask you how the family was doing anyway. Yeah, well, you know, he's great. Seven year old champ. Seven year old problems. Um, but. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think what was the question? Talking about NIL deals. Yeah, no, super important. I think um, just what you can offer because if someone can, so no, this isn't this is an area I think it's really important. Okay, give a player like Helena. Here's an example. Helena has a COVID year; she can come back. She's one of my biggest recruits right now. Love her. Now she has a chance. She's Spanish. She has a Spanish passport. She can play in Europe as a community player. So she has a chance to go pro next year. She can probably make three, four, five thousand a month. So for me, I want her back really badly. She's a, such an important part of our, what we do. She's a great player, one of the smartest. Like if I had the ability to say, okay, you can make four thousand a month here, she's gonna stay here and get her master's. But like even like a person like Esmeri, like they want to go and like make money. Um, Trinity, Trinity and Ari, 
from two years ago, they would have stayed if they knew the NIL stuff was going through. Mm. They would have been more in college than they would in the pros their first year. So, like, wow. it's a huge selling point when you have that in your back pocket. If we're Texas Tech or or um, South Carolina, if you have the ability of, like, a, like a group of donors getting in and could give your players a couple thousand a month, it is, it is program changing. I think what you're going to see our sports evolve to is those big schools like the A&Ms and Tennessee's and South Carolina that have, like, the oil money or – big SEC football money, you're going to see all of those teams get the best players later because they're going to be able to pay like $50,000 to his top point guard. I mean, it's like, and then we're not going to be able to unless something changes. So it's like, it just hurts. So NIL is real and it's, it's important. But I didn't think, I didn't think about that because like, an because, and I guess one of the reasons that we, we had heard that Dale and Terry was thinking about coming back is because if he was a second round NBA draft pick, he could make more money coming back to Arizona, but he banked yeah. on himself being a first rounder. So crazy how much times have changed and how everything it's more that was on the men's side because there's more yeah. money. But right. Jed, Jed is like, it's huge for Jed. Well, yeah. You, you have to you have it has to be part of your your yeah, uh, you your won't you won't compete. You'll never I mean, I think it's like I want to say Texas AM linemen, didn't they get 150,000 each? I, I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised. Eric, do you know? There was a quarterback last year who's now at Texas. He was a he left high school early, Adia, to go to Ohio State, got a million dollars, and didn't play a snap. Did and he now he's starting at Texas Quinn Ewers. And that's just and, and there are guys making more than that. I mean, I think Bryce Young at Alabama was making multiple million. He may be taking yeah. a pay cut going to the NFL. Crazy. Yeah. So it's like you could say if you could stay for six years, you would. Like that's why I think you're gonna see it really affect women in a couple of years. And the thing is, like the sad part of the reality of it is it's going to really affect athletic departments because you're seeing all these rules change where like there's rules that are coming in effect, like they're being voted on right now where it might be unlimited visits, all these things. They all, that all costs money. Yeah. There's the Austin money. We're fully funded Arizona Austin money. That's another like a couple million dollars. Like, and if you're not fully funded, you can't compete. So all of these things cost the school more. And if you're going to a donor that owns, like, let's say Jim click, he gives 10 million a year. To, I'm just making this up. Mm. But let's say he gives 10 million to Arizona. He's not like going to go give 20, give 10 to Arizona and 10 to NIL. He's given 10. He may then get seven to NIL, three to Arizona. So that's less money out of that pot. So it's not like people are coming up with this double, triple money just for NIL. They just want to allocate it differently because they'd rather give it to student athletes a lot than the school. So it's going to it's gonna hurt programs. I think you're going to see college athletics change in the next five years because of it. I really do. And that in the transfer portal, it's like the, it, everything's changed irrevocably. So it's, yeah. it's insane. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we have seven new players. Right. Right. There, there's that too. Uh, yeah. And along those lines, my last question for you, I want to talk about Jade LaVille since uh, she's yeah. played, she's played ASU since uh, and beaten ASU since she's been uh, with Arizona, but going up there, uh, pretty soon, I think it's after the Utah and Colorado trip. I think y'all are going you going to ASU going after to ASU. that. Yeah, if they're if they're healthy by then. If they're healthy enough by then, but well, uh, we haven't spoken to Jade about it. But just uh, if you talk to her about like what it might be like to to go back there and and because I mean it, it's pretty unprecedented for, uh, for it's one thing for a coach to do it, it's yeah. another thing for a player to make that move in the rivalry. Yeah, you know it's funny. I like I don't talk to her because I don't want to make something a big deal. No. And she's such a worker. I don't think she really cares. And I think. It's also different because she wasn't at ASU for years. I think if she would have been there for four years, I think it that would have been more meaningful. Um, but she wanted to stay in Arizona. Her dad lives in Phoenix. So and then she wants to win and go pro. So I don't think it's a huge deal. But well, I mean, with Charlie leaving too, I'm sure that made it easier. Yeah, so it makes it not as big as a rivalry because you know Natasha's new. Yeah. Um, but you're seeing that more. A player just did it from UCLA. 
She went from UCLA to USC. It's weird to me to see an intercon. Do you like the interconference transfer or no? Uh, not really, but I don't really care anymore because <laughs> it's like, it's the whole transfer thing is just, it's like annoying the whole thing. But like, like, so in a way as a coach, it's annoying because you invest so many years in these players, you bring them here. But then in, on the flip side, you can also get good really fast. So I, I think that you're going to see all the top, top, I'd say top 15 programs that have stud freshmen. You're going to see everybody lose freshmen because to win, you're not, if you're a good program, you're not playing freshmen 30 minutes a game, but they all expect to play 30 minutes a game. Nope. So you're going to see every program lose a couple. So it's going to be romper room and then people are going to move around. Well, there's these new rules where when they transfer, if they're undergrad, you have to keep them all four years, but I don't think people are going to really care. Mm-mm. But I think you're going to see so much more movement. I think next year you see more movement. We're seeing it a lot. Like Oregon players went to Oregon State. We we I I sent a couple of players in the Pac-12. Some yes. went to Oregon. Mm-hmm. I mean, someone went to um, not Oregon, Colorado. Ben Do went to Oregon State. Went to Oregon State, and another player went to USC. So I lost three in conference. But I mean, sometimes like sometimes you didn't want them anyways. Um, you know, the other thing is you play against them. If they were that usually, if they're that good and they're playing for you. They're not leaving. True. So some of the players, I was like, bye. Like, I, I never didn't sign up. Okay, so here's an example, too. The two players that went in conference that are undergrad, I didn't, I could have, I could have been in a Kyra situation with Kentucky. I signed it because I'm like, you can go play. I don't care about playing against you. So, like, with Aaron at Vonley, I signed the release for her to play right away. I could have not signed it. And then with Koi Love, I signed it for SC. Because I'm like, at the end of the day, they're student athletes or kids. Right. If you're not happy at Arizona, like we can recruit, we're going to be good, like with or without you. So if you love it and you want to be here, and you want to help us win. If you want to go down the street to ASU, I'll sign it. If you want to go to USC, I'll sign it because it's probably, you're probably not someone that was a main factor here and it's not willing to wait. So it's like, it's, it is what it is. Which is your, on, your honesty is so refreshing. And that's why we always enjoy having you on. You're, you're a legend. I'd give you, if I were in charge, I'd give you a <laughs> lifetime contract. I've told Shane that. Uh, I just want to point one last thing out, coach. Uh, I looked at just uh, since I brought up gambling earlier, your title odds are 60 to one. You are tied for the 15th uh, highest odds in the country at 60 to one to win it all. Win so it all gonna, to win it all, to win the national championship. Who who made, are you serious? So South Carolina is, is a little over even money. Stanford is a, a little short of three to one. Utah is 35 to one and you're 60 to one. Oh, so that's not even close. I'm just saying there's there's an opportunity if you're listening to this. More, like more to, bulletin board material. For Utah, you. Utah is 35 to 1. Yep. Wow. Where do you see that at? That's that's at FanDuel. It's called FanDuel. And yep, you can you can take a look at that. And it's bulletin board material. That's why I'm telling what, you about what's it. What's South Carolina? South Carolina is uh 1.25 to 1. So it's sure, basically yeah. five to four odds. Yeah. Dang. So what about like does it say for the Pac 12 championship? Uh, it doesn't. It just gives the uh, the overall champion. So sixty to one. What's that equivalent? Because they want to understand what that is. So if you bet sixty dollars, or if you bet one dollar and you guys win, you get sixty in return. But what is that like percentage wise? So we have like a two percent chance. <laughs> uh, something somewhere in that ballpark. I'm not good at that part of the math, but yeah. So yeah. wow, I can't believe people do that kind of stuff. Oh, people! It, this is a big thing. I mean, people and your people odds fluctuate throughout the time. year. They have way too much time. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I work in the industry, so I, I get it. And it's, it's oh, Eric, def- I have questions. I'm texting you. You can it's listen, world. 
Coach, I want to say one last thing. When I found, when I saw and I texted Shane right away, uh, Monday morning, I had a new Twitter follower and you and it was you. I was like, oh, my God, we're doing something good here on Wildcat Country. I, so I, seriously. I, and I'm bad at that. Like, I don't even follow back. I don't look. Sometimes I look on my Instagram as like 100. I don't even I don't do that because it's like I have no strategy. This is sad. But I have like no strategy with social media. I put my kids on there way too much. Like, I don't care if the picture is cute, if I look like this or I look like that. I need to do better branding. I told, I was telling somebody yesterday, I need to work on my branding because I just do whatever I want. I have misspelled words all the time because I'm usually driving and tweeting, which you shouldn't do. You know, <laughs> okay. like I do it too. Kids, walking. Like, I need to step up my game. I will keep you updated as to your championship odds as they fluctuate. So if you beat Utah and Colorado this weekend, you're going way up. I'm telling yeah, you we that. Might be 30, we might be 45 to 1. 45 to 1. There you go. <laughs> Thanks again, Coach. Good to talk to you as Thank always. Thank you, guys. Shane, uh, as we pr- as we promised, I, once again, I'm still speechless. And we did this interview earlier, but I mean, th- first of all, thanks to Coach Barnes and thanks to Bill Wall. That was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, and and big thanks to Adia for continuing to make time for us. You know, we we yeah. I, we talked to her on the on the original version of this podcast back when she was still building the team. She they had an alumni event in uh, in Scottsdale. We got to talk to her when she was first hired, and it's great to see what she's done and and continued success there and then bill walton um that was something and we had 40 minutes and i think we we hit that exact uh 40 minute window like as soon as uh as soon as the 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 time was up so that was almost perfect even though i think there was a little bit of panic unlike like like another interview we did a couple months ago that we won't talk about uh but the one thing he did say and i know he he went sideways just a few times uh, but the one thing he did say about you know playing together as a team versus playing together as an individual it made me think Back to the the DeAndre Ayton season when mm-hmm. yes. when, it seemed, when it seemed like the team yeah. was maybe a bit clicky then, yeah. Uh, and and I don't know if that was the reason for their lack of success in the NCAA tournament or was because all the off court stuff just caught up to him. But I think that is a, that if you take one thing away from from everything he said, I think that's a valid point. And, and Tommy Lloyd's mission is to get these guys to keep playing for each other, especially when when things go bad, unexpectedly bad, like they did against Washington State. Great point. Um, just uh, really thankful to have both of our guests. Biggest show that we've had, uh, in my opinion, uh, on Wildcat Country. So we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, a couple of quick uh, reminders. This segment brought to you by DT Sports Cards. Uh, Shane, on January 28th, they're having a card show in the East Valley. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, the East Valley uh, the Chandler Gilbert Card Show. Uh, I will post the uh, the address. I mentioned it last week. I'll post the address on, on my Twitter page. I'll be a seller there for the first time, so you want to look at some cards. I'm big on, on buying and selling hockey cards, which I know is really popular in Arizona, <laughs> but uh, I'll have plenty of those as long as well as some other stuff. So come say hi. DT Sports Cards, they're our, our, one of our sponsors. They sponsor the segment. They uh, they do a great job of submitting cards to PSA on your behalf, looking at cards and making sure they're they're look good enough to be graded, and they give you their opinion on uh, on whether you should send it in or not. So uh, I've I've been benefited greatly from their service, which is why I we added them as a sponsor. So yeah, come check us out and, D, and check out dtsportscards.com if you're looking to get some cards graded. And I'm pointing to that sign in in my background if you're watching on YouTube, uh, the DT Sports Cards logo. All right. And also just want to point out, as we will for the next month or so, that Shane and I are going to be the MCs at the East Valley Chapter Toast and Taste event on Friday, February 17th at the the Phoenix Airport uh, Marriott, I believe it is. Uh, Go to alumni.arizona.edu and their events page to look up that. 
And uh, we'd love to see you there and uh, meet some of you at either event uh, face-to-face. All right, a couple quick things. We're going to go here rapid fire, Shane. Baseball throwback unis. Like them, love them, hate them. Thoughts? Love them, love them. Unlike, unlike the uh, the basketball ones, the original ones that they showed that I think look, still look too much like the Zags unis. Love the baseball ones. Fantastic. I, lo- I love the basketball throwback unis. Those need to be implemented. These other other ones are not good. I, I'm going to join the Shane Dale bandwagon there and say not good. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, FanDuel came out with their uh, championship odds next year for football. ASU is 300 to one. Arizona is 500 to one. What sense does this make, Shane? None. None. I mean, who knows? Especially, we don't know what ASU is going to look like. I mean, I know they upgraded a quarterback. They got a lot of new transfers, but I think that's more on on reputation than anything else. I mean, Arizona 500 to one is fine, but ASU being higher, if nothing else, I figured they'd be about the same. Uh, could Arizona have played a closer game on Monday night than TCU did against Georgia? I don't think it could have been much worse. You know, if for nothing else, either. yeah, Georgia would have taken its foot off the gas in the fourth quarter anyway. No, I think I want to say Arizona would have mustered two touchdowns. You know, Jacob Cowing would, and assuming Dorian Singer were still on the team, it would have made some circus catches. You know, and and so I, I, but I think Arizona could have doubled what TCU scored. I'll leave it at that. Okay, fair enough. Uh, but would Georgia have doubled what they scored against Arizona's defense? That's <laughs> that's the Touché. question. Uh, all right, finally, Shane, it's a big weekend of games on the road for both teams. Out of the four games, uh, men's team at the Oregon schools, uh, women's team at the Mountain schools, how many does Arizona win? I'm going to go with three. And I actually, I'm going to make a semi-bold prediction that the women sweep at Utah and Colorado. It's, they're going to be tough games. I think Utah's a bit overrated. I think that the, the ladies are hitting their stride right now. So I think they go, and even though it's a, a, always a tough place to play, Utah and Colorado, uh, for the men or the women, uh, I'll make a semi-bold prediction and predict that. I think Arizona, the men, I think they they split. I think they beat Oregon State. I think they lose to Oregon. I think there's, it's going to be another rough week or so until they finally start to right the ship. All right, I'm going to kind of hedge my prediction here, so I hate to do this. I think I agree with you about the women. I think they're going to sweep Utah and Colorado. I think they're going to do what the men couldn't, and that's win at Utah. Uh, Fortunately, the men don't have to play at Colorado, which is always a tough place to go. But I think think the women's team sweeps. I think if the men's team beats Oregon State by double digits as they should, they're going to win on Saturday. If they don't, I think they lose. So that's my my key. I want to see a blowout. You think they 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 win both or they lose both, or they win they, cl- they win close and then they lose. I think I think if I think they're going to beat Oregon State regardless. But if okay. it's under ten points, okay, is the margin? I think they lose on Saturday. I okay. think if it's over ten points, I'm taking Arizona on Saturday. That makes That's sense. Fair. That's fair. I like it. Yep. I, it's a very we're not keeping track of this like football. I won't even bring up records. We'll talk about that next fall. I'll mention it if you're wrong next week. Otherwise, okay. I will I'll forget all about it. Fair enough. Want to thank. Our great guests on this show, and great uh, thanks Shane Dale for booking a great show. Bill Walton, who is one of a kind, Adia Barnes, who's also one of a kind, uh, and uh, it was it was something. I hope you guys enjoyed listening as much as Shane and I enjoyed uh, doing these interviews and and doing the show as always. So for Shane Dale, I'm Eric Cohen. Thanks for listening, and as always, bear down.